Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, where this week we've got something a little different for you from our normal format. My name is Chris Bann, I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined as usual by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. But we've got two, not one, but two special guests this week joining us. We've got Hotelia Sarinda Aurora, and we've also, from Oak North Bank, got Mo Sondi. Uh, and the two of them are hopefully going to give us a little uh, insight into their experience of the last few months and perhaps some views of what might be going to happen uh, next in their worlds. And Sarinda, um, um, I'll just start with you, because if you were to sort of um, define the, the worst possible hotel to have um, before this pandemic in terms of the most vulnerable to the pandemic i think perhaps some of your properties would be it in terms of being located at airports uh being upscale and luxury i'm thinking of your sofitel um it's been an extraordinary time and i'm, I'm I'd just like you just to say how what the impact has been like and how you've got through it uh, so i have to say this is something that no one ever imagined that they will actually see in their lifetime or experience this horrible year uh, that we all want to forget about. And no one ever ever thought that the whole world would literally come to this one nation, one business, just everywhere has been a complete um, And the sad thing is that our industry, travel and tourism, uh, so not just hotels, bars, restaurants, airlines, everywhere has been a complete disaster and uh, I never thought I'd be sitting here looking out of my office window and on the uh, uh, the airfield at Heathrow, both the runways being dead quiet. Um, at the peak, uh, you know, I used to see 28, 30 planes in the queue for takeoff. And these days there are no queues. Um, to an extent, Andrew, that uh, last week I was with um, Stuart Wingate, the CEO of Gatwick Airport. And there was a day last week Gatwick Airport had three flights in the day. Wow. And I guess, you know, we, we had a real tough time back in 2008. One of the things I did say and promise myself that in future we will not try to be aggressive and be overgeared. Um, so it's that kind of thing that's really helped us. Business-wise, I mean, really, there's not been any or much business this year at all. Um, so all been limping and struggling through, and uh, now I'm saying, well, uh, there's. I'm not saying there's any green shoots today, tomorrow, next week, but certainly with the vaccines and the choices or different vaccines, I'm hoping and praying that from Easter onwards, that will actually. Uh, which is what we really are desperately uh, needing. And uh, I think that will actually help move things. Do I really think that we'll get to pre-COVID uh, this year or next year? In my view, not. I think we're talking about at least two or three years before we get into uh, pre-COVID times. Right, right. So uh, in terms of I mean, what we saw over the summer was a bit of a... a bounce back in terms of domestic tourism but i guess your airport locations makes makes that quite challenging right did did you succeed in, in getting much in in domestic tourism over that period no sadly obviously uh domestic tourism staycation business was great for 
properties in the countryside, by the seaside. Thankfully, we're also blessed with decent weather this summer. So a lot of people made use of that, which was great. Um, I'm not sure many people actually wanted to come in and sort of spend a weekend or a week at uh, an airport. <laughs> there weren't any planes to spot. Being at a quieter stay, I guess. Yes, that's, that's for sure. We thought this trick, we should have really used runways for the racing track because we could have got a few people uh, racing. But uh, no, so it's really been extremely tough. Uh, but as I've always said in life, life is all about valleys and hills. And uh, we've been down the valleys this year. We've got to work hard and push ourselves back up to the top of the hill again. Yeah. Yeah. Mo, I'd like to bring you in here. Now, I, I mean, I've been writing about the industry for getting on for three decades now. And in that time, we've gradually, within hotels and hospitality, we've gradually um, become more respectable um, in the sense of, you know, we're always viewed as a highly cyclical industry, very vulnerable to downturns. Um, we had a comparatively good GSC, I think, within the sector. Now, has that all been shared from a lender's perspective? Are we back to where we were? Do, are we once again seen as the untouchable industry? Really, really interesting question. I, I mean, it, I think it depends on who you ask. From from Oak North's perspective, I would say absolutely not. I, but I do think there'll be other banks or other lenders out there who will say that the sector is red at the moment for them. Um, and a lot of that will be dictated to by their own back book and how that's performed and how portfolio companies have performed through through COVID. From our, from our perspective, actually, you know, we've seen this as a real opportunity you know yes covid is is extremely challenging for all the reasons that surrender has alluded to it's a very tough market there aren't any green shoots qu quite yet there's hope out there um i think we are seeing some kind of finishing line or, or, or progress real progress will be made in the next six to nine months i suspect but in saying that, there's also an opportunity for us to onboard some incredibly high-quality, high-profile clients like Surinder as well. Because whereas, whereas the you know the market sort of seizes up, looks internally, they sort of forget about their clients as well, or and forget about opportunities out there. Since COVID, we've actually approved 1.45 billion pounds worth of loans. Uh, and 535 million of that is C bills or CL bills related. So yes, it's a tough market. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, the sector is under immense strain at the moment. However, it will come back. Um, there are some great businesses there. And I genuinely feel, and this is my personal view, is that if they can see past see past this difficult time that we're going through, they'll, they'll be much better businesses going forward. I think the technology they've adopted um, or the rate of ad adaptation has been has markedly changed. I think their cost bases have changed. I think the way they do business has changed, and they have also become. I think the businesses will become more, much more customer centric going forward. So I'm actually very positive going forward. But we are in the eye of the storm still. Let's not forget that. You know, there's still a tough, at least another really tough six months ahead.
Yeah, and I'm very interested in how you see it because, in a way, it's almost like development financing, isn't it, at the moment? Because if we're talking two, three years before we get back up to sort of a stabilised level of trading, which which Surinder was um, I- indicating, um, you've you've got to take a view over that next two to three years. And I'm just wondering how how you know what you view a balance sheet as now in terms of the stress levels and so forth. How, how do you um, deal with that internally within the bank? Because it must you know most of this, these loans now are all in breach of covenants and I mean how are you addressing that what are you doing and um, to, to, to manage the process yeah, are these loans now development finance um, it's it's a good analogy the, the, the difference being though you know and I think you're, you're particularly re- re- referring to forecasts and you know how credible are those in the world that we're in today there's a question mark however what we, t- we we've always prayed place great reliance on is track record so again if I look at what Surinder's done through the 2008 GFC and how he's come through that stronger better what lessons were learned and how he's built the business back to the strength to, to today to what it is today you know we've always done that and I think more and more lenders now are, pl- are, are placing much more reliance on that as well so yes you always look at forecast but a forecast is a forecast you know it's at a point in time with a certain set of variables and assumptions that you make however what we place more reliance on is management team how good are they how have they performed in distressed times how, how liquid how liquid are they are they looking at the right things and can can they weather the storm well, what's going to plug the gaps in the balance sheet what how what sort of finance is going to come in place to plug those gaps so again really interesting question it it, it depends how you set yourself up so pre-covid there, there were a number of businesses out there that were because there was relatively cheap money out there and aggressive leverage have taken that option and i think now they've been they're going to be found wanting because the only way to plug that gap is through equity because the banks will be full on their risk and they, they're unlikely to lend more in that scenario however there are businesses out there that were moderately geared i would say were more sensible in their approach and Mm. and took a bit Mm. of a longer term view and therefore they 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 built in debt capacity so you know and they're the ones that we've been speaking to and helping over the period so it it depends how you set yourself up really and and what you're looking for i think if you were if you were pre-covid aggressive with your financing structure looking for a short-term exit i think you're going to find the market incredibly tough and i and i think you're going to need you are going to need equity to get out of this if actually you were looking at medium to long term and you had a moderately moderately geared balance sheet i think you will actually see opportunity and you'll navigate your way through this so, so just alighting on those businesses which have got those stress balance sheets at the moment, what's your take on how we're going to come out of this? Uh, is it going to be the 1990s where we saw private equity swoop in and catch a load of bargains? Or do you think it's going to be a bit more extend and pretend that we saw in the GFC period? Where do you think the balance lies with that? Uh, again, my personal view is I think you'll see a bit of both, really. I think you'll see some extend and pretend. I, I think you'll see some private equity come in to save some. And I think you're going to see some failures. I, I think you'll see some banks actually 
One, one of the things I think the big banks learnt from the 08 crisis compared to their American counterparts is, is that in the US they cleaned the balance sheets up very quickly after 08 you know and they mm. they cut off the effective the zombie companies and I think that was a criticism against the high street banks that they didn't do it quick enough especially the, the Lloyds and the RBS should we say I, I think they will be much more decisive in their which is very interesting given I think the continental European banks are even slower than the UK banks were if there's a sort of a, the classic position where Britain was halfway between the continent of Europe and, and the US I think wasn't it. Sarinda I'd like to come to you and just, just talk about in terms of the, the recovery process and the role the government's played in that um, how effective you think the government has been in, in offering support and what you'd like to see the government do now we begin to climb uh, you know, out of this mess. Well, Andrew, I, I think uh, obviously this was something so unprecedented, and no one knew how we were going to be we will be hit from all sides, all directions. The government did move quick enough. They they did obviously made a lot of decisions, um, and you know whether it was a furlough support, whether it was the business rates, some of the things. Of course, you can never ever doesn't matter whether you're the government or a human being or you know. You can never be 100% right or get everything right. I, I kind of looked at the sport the first day on the business rates and I said, why the hell is the government giving the supermarkets a uh, business mm. rate? Quite. Mm. Why is the government giving up 80% uh, furlough monies? There's never a free lunch in life. And at the end of the day, our children, grandchildren, future generations will end up paying for it. Uh, so I was saying, uh, I think the furlough should be more like 50 to 60% of the salary. To be paid staff members, especially in our industry, Andrew, uh, during that period, lockdown period, first lockdown we had, people have no transportation cost, they have no outgoing cost, they're not going to cinemas, not going to restaurants, not going on holidays. So it was literally paying the rent as well as being their food bills. So, and I think in life it's only fair that we all share the pain. I'd like to um, just come back to what Mo was saying in terms of his expectation that banks are going to be more decisive in terms of their their decision making uh, around distressed balance sheets. Now you've um, got 50 million from from um, Mo's bank um, to take advantage of those. When do you, uh, I guess two point question, when do you think you're going to be able to deploy that capital and what sort of opportunities do you think are most likely to arise? Look, in, in life there's always uh Opportunities uh, anytime. We've a few recessions, and even in my younger days, when I was doing property, Andrew, uh, and even in uh, after the Gulf War in 1990, uh, and good, bad, ugly times, there are opportunities. So we have really used some of the facility from up north, and I think you know we'll just obviously keep looking. We're not. I think this is really more from a company perspective making sure that we are not over leveraged we are doing sensible deals and uh, we'll just keep obviously I think something that you mentioned earlier Andrew and Mo was talking about the banks and being decisive um, and I hope Mo doesn't mind me saying this uh, I've got a very dear friend George 
uh, who and he and I used to work at British Airways together, and he's a city man. And I remember him saying to me in '99 when I opened my first hotel, he said, Surinder, just be careful. You've done really well. But he said, the banks will always be there with a brolly over your head when the sun <laughs> is And I think uh, one thing, I guess, probably people like myself in the earlier days, slightly inexperienced, and what you one also has to do is make sure that you treat your lenders, because they've got a business to run, they've got the shareholders, and I think you also need to be respectful to them that they are your stakeholders. It's not you've got money from them and you can disappear uh, and be buying yachts and planes and doing other things. So I think it's just keeping that right balance under and uh, I think uh, the, the, the experience I've had with Oakmove is something I never imagined that I'll actually see from my own perspective. Mo, um, just coming back to you in 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 terms of the the sector and how you're looking at it, uh, if if you were to divide it up into segments and you looked at something like service departments and you'd looked at uh, urban luxury properties, uh, are there which particular areas do you think are particularly uh, attractive now, and other areas you just really want to steer clear of? The honest answer I think to that is in in each subsector there will be a winner, so it really depends on on the actual deal that you're looking at so I can't give you a broad brush answer to that saying I particularly like the private rented scheme or I particularly like urban urban high cost living um, I mean I've seen some really interesting in the last few days hotel acquisitions I've seen some really interesting pub acquisitions in the last week I've seen a really interesting care home transaction today um, and, uh, and like, like like I said I think in every subsector there, there, there are there will definitely be further consolidation um, and unfortunately COVID will force that there will be businesses that will will have to go um, so I, I, I can't really answer that question as in like what what particular subsector within within this space that I particularly I'm favourable to. I think the interesting thing at the moment is with the staycation piece is that if we say a vaccine isn't going to be widely available till the end of 21, then I think regional assets that Sarinda mentioned earlier would will perform very well. You know, and that does put pressure on sort of central, sort of urban hotels. I would say. Um, mm. and how well uh, how quickly they recover but i think most commentators are now saying that the recovery we're going to get back to to pre-covid levels in 2023 and i think that's pretty sensible that's in terms of rev par and overall trading is it and when you're looking at that interesting you say that and so is probably the best person so i think in terms of revenue however my personal view is, and so I'd love to get your view on this, is that if you get back to 19 revenues in 23, I think your rev part actually could be better because your cost base is better and you've adopted more technology. So I think your earnings could improve, but that's that's a personal view and the antidotal evidence that I've seen. There's certainly, I mean, anecdotally, we've certainly seen um, evidence, and indeed some of the data surveys, I'm thinking of like, uh, studies like Hotstats, that, that they do show that the break-even points have come down yeah. and profitability, profitability relative profitability, profit. has increased. Is, is that true, Surinder, or are, are these costs going to come back into the business? Have you been able to actually permanently strip out a layer of costs? Well, Andrew, I, I think uh, we're all 
uh, are now talking about when we come back to the real world again, mm. that are in a very different way. Uh, what is you know, running of them, structuring, manpower, how we operate, you know, do we actually automate other things or any other cost savings? You know, because we've all had to tighten our belts. So I don't think we'll ever go back to the good old days. Um, I think it'll be a very different way of operations. I mean, I was having a meeting earlier with my senior team this afternoon uh, that we are opening our flagship around Easter in winter, the, the new family. And, you know, things will be done very differently. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we're going to cut corners and we're not going to service uh, delivery and quality. And that's something we've always been proud of at Aurora. That's something that is, it's not just about making the numbers and the EBITDA and ADRs. It's also actually about being able to talk about whether it's TripAdvisor or guest feedback, staff satisfaction. Those things are just as important. So I think coming back, uh, I think the, the cost base things, I think there will be savings, there will be different way of running the business. We certainly intend to do that in our uh, business, Andrew, and uh, I think one will see whenever whether it's one year, two year, three years, uh, that the cost base, I hope, will be uh, in the right place to, uh, to improve on our numbers. Well, well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. Um, it's been very insightful.